Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. Complicated, yes, but mysterious, no longer. Emotional behavior is largely involuntary. <laughs> I can't believe that. We have certain basic emotions which are controlled subconsciously. Notice your own emotional reactions. What did you feel? What did you do? Under control, your emotions can make you healthier and happier and improve the lives of people around you. This is pretty clever. Hello, Freedom House. Good morning to you guys. Um, man, give it up for our worship team. Aren't they just amazing? Worship was so good, and I just love uh, Crystal Nicole and her husband. Give it up for them for joining us today, all the way up from Atlanta, and, and um, amazing. I'm just sitting over there. She's singing, and I don't know about you when she sings. I'm just like floored, right? And my weird brain, what I'm thinking is, Dear Lord, how good is she going to be able to sing in heaven? I mean, can you imagine that? Like, how good worship is here? Imagine when we get to heaven, how good worship's going to be. We're not going to need the smoke. Like, the clouds will just, you know, we won't need the lights. The stars will just be. I mean, you know, can you imagine how good that's going to be? Man, isn't it great to be in the house of God today? Man, just getting to worship him. So, so good. So few things before we jump into God's Word. Number one, if you're new, um, tell you something unique about Freedom House Church. We are one church, but we have multiple campuses. So we have campuses across the city, but part of our vision is that at each and every campus, at each and every service, we have a live communicator bringing God's Word, which I just think is amazing. Would you give some honor, just a hand clap to our senior pastors, Troy and Penny Maxwell. I love them so much. Uh, your campus pastor, Pastor Aaron... Um, he's down at South End today. Pastor Michael um, is at Lake Norman. But our pastor's out in California preaching today at a, at a conference at another church there. And uh, so we're just reaching people all, all over the world. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Um, and so I love being a part of the teaching team. My name's Olin Carter. Um, this is my favorite thing to do. And I am excited today. I am pumped up. Uh, man, I want to teach today. But man, when you get Crystal Nicole in here, I might get to preaching a little bit. I, I hope that's okay. And she gets me stirred up. But um, before we jump in, I do want to say hello to our, our online campus. We have people from Michigan, New Jersey, and Georgia 
joining us right now. You guys give it up for our online campus as well. Welcome them. Um, we love you guys. Thank you so much for uh, just, just taking a little time out to join with us. And, and you're just as much a part of Freedom House Church as anybody that's right here right now. And so we love you. We appreciate you being with us. And so this new series is on emotions. Emotions. Man, emotions. Is, what, what, what do you say, right? I mean, we're, just, we're dealing with it right now in our country. I mean, everything right now is just at like an 11. Does it feel like everybody's just tense all the time? Yeah? I mean, and so, hey, listen, this is what I want everybody to do today before we get started. Everybody just breathe in, just go, and breathe out. <sighs> We're not going to fight anybody today. Like, everybody just relax. Let your emotions kind of chill for a minute, right? Man, we're just going to have a good time today and get into God's Word. So, this is an amazing topic. We're talking about emotions because, you know, emotions impact every area of our life. And I don't know about you, I wouldn't want to live without emotions, right? I mean, Every message I always hear about emotions, it's always about harnessing your emotions. Don't be, in, don't be controlled by your emotions. But, you know, I wouldn't want to live without my emotions. And I wouldn't want to live without hearing worship and hearing a beautiful song and, and feeling something, you know. And even the bad emotions when my father passed away, you know, that hurt, man. That was sad. But you know what? That grief and that pain connects me with how much I loved him and what he meant in my life. I wouldn't want someone I love to pass away and not feel anything, Right? What would life be? It would be like life was in black and white if we had no emotions. But we need to learn how God wants these emotions to be a blessing in our life. I believe that God gave us emotions. God designed us to experience emotions because emotions are to be a blessing. It's to be a positive element in our life. And so we're going to dig into God's Word today. We're going to see what He has to say about that. So turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start out with God's Word. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start reading in verse 4, if you have your Bibles, your app, turn with me. Make sure you read along with me today. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Always. That's why y'all got to read along. You got to read. You don't trust me. Don't trust me. I could, I could lead you astray. You got to read along with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Man, that's a tough one, isn't it? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, here's the key, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, this is a promise, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now the title of my message today is the anchor for your emotions. The anchor for your emotions. You know everything on ships have changed over the last couple thousand years. Now, ships used to look a lot different. They made them out of wood. There were oars. They were propelled differently. There was a time where steam propelled ships. Now we have ships propelled 
propelled by uh, nuclear fission or whatever it is. Uh, I mean, just amazing the technology, right? But here's the thing about ships that hasn't changed. The anchor. The anchor of the ships, they might have gotten a little bit bigger, but they look and function the same way they did 100 years ago and 500 years ago and 1,000 years ago. Ships need anchors, and anchors haven't changed. And it's the same way with human beings. You know, our lives on the outside have changed a lot. We have cars. Some, now we're zipping around in electric cars, right? I'm still waiting for the Jetsons to happen where we're flying around, right? We haven't gotten there yet. But we're not on horse and buggies anymore. We have smartphones. I don't know if that's a blessing or not. <laughs> some days it is, some days it isn't. When you're trying to get a little peace and quiet and that thing's, you know, just, you know, you just want to throw it. But you know what? Our lives have changed a lot on the outside. It appears like we live very differently than we lived in the past. But on the inside, our lives really haven't changed at all. On the inside, in our souls, we still have emotions. We still have needs. We still are looking for purpose, for happiness, for connection, for meaning. And on the inside, the inward life of man really hasn't changed. In 10 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, we're just the same. And just like people needed 2,000 years ago, today we still need an anchor for our soul. We need an anchor for our soul. These verses give us this anchor. They give us a key to living an emotionally healthy life. And when you hear that, you might think, man, is that even possible, right? Is that even a thing anymore? Because of the emotional culture that we live in, the tense nature of our society today. But I believe these verses, and we're going to unpack them today, we're going to teach God's Word, and I think in that you're going to see this key, this anchor, to bring some stability into your emotional life. I believe that this key, this anchor, is thankfulness. A thankful heart anchors our emotional life. A thankful heart anchors our emotional life. And the Lord's been dealing with me a lot lately about this principle of thankfulness. I think it's, it's probably the most powerful but yet the most underrated principle in the Bible. I think we talk a lot about faith, we talk about giving, we talk about service, we talk about healing, we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about salvation. But man, as Christians, man, this principle of thankfulness has a power in it that you can unlock in your life. Thankfulness is an, uh, is an underused, overlooked tool that God has given us to anchor our emotional life. If you feel like your emotional life is up and down and up and down a key is this principle of thankfulness. And why is this so important? It's, because, it's important because the average person is an emotional wreck. And we as Christians aren't much better, right? I mean, we can say, hey, out in the world, the world this, the world that, look at Hollywood, look at all the divorces, look at all the... But the truth is, when you look at the statistics and you look at the people around you, we look at our own lives, many times, sadly, as Christians, we're not a whole lot better. And as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, should there be a difference? Should there be a difference in how we handle our emotions as a believer? Should there be a difference in how I respond and handle my emotions comparative to people who don't know Jesus? Should there be a difference? I believe there should be. So what should that difference be? Well, let's think about this concept of the anchor. What is the difference between an anchored ship and an unanchored ship? Well, an anchored ship... It's still floating on the water, right? And so as the waves come in, even if a storm comes in, the, the ship is still going to move up and down, right? An anchored ship is still going to move a little bit with the current and with the water. 
But an unanchored ship can be drawn out to sea or crushed on the rocks. An unanchored ship doesn't just move a little bit with the flow of the water. Its location can be changed and it can be taken off from where the master wants it to be. See, an anchored ship stays where the master left the ship. And so many of us emotionally, we've become unanchored so that Satan is able to distract and discourage us and get us out and off of God's plan for our life. We need to be anchored ships. The believer is meant to be steady. We are meant to be emotionally stable people. This passage paints a picture for us of the person who is positive and who is characterized by God's peace. Now, people who know you, would they characterize you as someone who is generally positive and characterized by God's peace? Is that how people would describe you? That is how this scripture describes the life of the believer. Someone who is positive and someone who lives in God's peace. Now before we get into the teaching today, I want to stop for a minute. And the Lord kind of told me to put this in here because I know what's going to happen as I begin to teach on this. I'm up here talking about emotions. And some of you are going to get emotional. Go figure. I'm going to talk about how you're to be emotionally stable and you're going to have an opportunity to get offended at me because I'm suggesting that you're not. Now I want you to think about this. If all of us in this room were emotionally stable and we lived in the the fullness of God's word in the area of our emotions, God would have probably told me to preach on something else. So some of us in this room need to hear this message and some of us that need to hear this message are going to have an opportunity to block out this message because we're going to get offended because this guy up here on the stage that's amazingly good looking is telling me or suggesting that I am not emotionally stable. And I want you to make a decision right now. Can we do this together? Let's make a decision right now. We're not going to be offended today, but we're going to hear God's word in its fullness. Amen? Amen? Can we make that decision today? Because God's word is going to step on our toes a little bit. And sometimes when God's word steps on our toes, we get a little agitated. We get a little offended and we block out what we actually need to hear. And so let's receive God's word today. All right, so calm, steady, stable. Those words can sound a little boring, can't they? I mean, like, that's probably not the way you wish everyone would describe you. Maybe intelligent, talented, Good-looking, right? I mean, charismatic, full of life, vibrant. I mean, that's the way, gorgeous. I mean, those are the adjectives you kind of want to hear or not. She's steady. She's very steady. Like, that's not the greatest compliment ever, right? So when we hear that and then we hear, hey, we're going to talk about being emotionally steady, emotionally stable, we think, okay, That's not that exciting, right? And so before we understand what this thankful heart, what this anchor for our soul can mean, we have to understand what it doesn't mean. We have to first understand what I'm not saying, what God is not suggesting for your life. A thankful heart is not a cold or indifferent heart. A thankful heart is not cold or indifferent. Notice in these scriptures that we're instructed to be thankful but not silent. The verse tells us to rejoice, not to be anxious, but what? In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request 
to God. But sometimes this gets interpreted as a saying or living in a way that God never intended for us to live. We are not called to be detached or isolated. It doesn't mean because you stay calm that you bury your head in the sand like an ostrich and you don't know what's going on, right? And some people mistakenly think that's what our church or what Christians at large are trying to do. Like, like we're just, you know, we're just walking around and we have no idea what's happening. Recently, a, a very lovely human um, wrote an article about our pastor. And I demonstrated emotional stability by not throwing my laptop through the window. <laughs> That's certainly what I wanted to do. I'm reading this article and she says in this article that we have a dangerous misunderstanding of the gospel because we believe that our faith will just give us a magical shield from COVID. Well, number one, no one here at this church has ever said that. And how many of you in this room know that COVID is a real thing? There you go. We're not morons because we're Christians. Like, we're just walking around, hey, there's a pandemic. What? There's a pan what? what? How do you say that? Pan what? I mean, that's how they think we are. They think we don't know what's going on. It's not that we didn't realize that there's a thing called COVID. We're just not afraid. I'm just, I'm just deciding... To control my emotions. Now, have I felt any fear? Listen, my mother's 75 years old and just had some medical thing. Do I want my mother to get sick? No, but I'm not going to live in fear. When my mother asked me, hey, should I come back to church? I said, I'm not answering that for you. You answer that for you. And actually, you let God answer that for you. And you pray until God gives you a perfect peace. And when you have a perfect peace, you act on the perfect peace. And you can't go wrong. And that's my mom. How many of you know I love my mom? I don't want my mom to get sick, but I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to allow my emotions to dictate the rest of my life. Because if I do, when does it end? And so being a Christian and being emotionally stable doesn't mean I'm an ostrich with my head stuck down in the sand. And it also doesn't mean we're called to be happy idiots. It doesn't mean we just walk around like everything's great all the time. Like nothing's wrong in the world and no one's hurting. No, as believers, we understand and identify that people are hurting, that things are happening. It doesn't mean that. Romans 12, 14, it says, bless those who persecute you. Bless them. Bless them. Bless those who persecute you. And I believe when Paul wrote that, that's how he wrote it. He was writing it. The guy was transcribing it. He said, bless those who persecute you. Bless them and do not curse them. That's how he said it. And it says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Is that the picture of a Christian who's boring and dry and cold and indifferent and detached? No. That's a believer who I celebrate with you when you have a victory. And I weep with you when you're weeping. Man, here at our church, we get prayer requests in all the time. And man... I'm on that team, I see those requests, and I can tell you, we got a group of pastors and leaders and prayer warriors here, and we weep and we cry and we pray. We put things back and forth. Oh my God, I can't believe that happened. Our hearts break with people. It doesn't mean that, but I'm not taken off course and crashed on the rocks. Just because something bad happens, it doesn't mean my faith goes shipwrecked. It doesn't mean I throw up my hands and say, there must not be a God, I just give up. 
I'm not overcome by darkness and sadness. Why? Because there's a thankfulness in my heart that anchors my soul. There's a weight in me that outweighs the winds of the storms of the world. There's a weight of thankfulness in me that no matter what happens, no matter what people say, man, I know what God has done and what he has done in me and what he has done for me and what he is doing in me and what he can do through me. And because I have that faith, I'm so thankful, God. Man, this person has can't. God, I thank you you're a healer. God, I thank you you've healed before. You can heal again. God, I thank you. We, we start every prayer with thanksgiving. Why? Because that thankful heart is an anchor for my soul. It's an anchor for my emotions. And having a thankful heart does not mean that we ignore suffering. Having a thankful heart means that we're so thankful to God for who he is and what he has done for us that we can actually truly be happy and rejoice when other people are blessed. It, it means I can truly hurt when other people are hurting. Why? Because of his grace, I'm free not to be focused on myself. I don't have to be so self-consumed and looking at my needs and my life and my hurts. Why? Because of thankfulness. Because I have a God who died for me, and if he died for me, if Jesus Christ would leave heaven, come to earth, die on a cross to pay for my sins when I was his enemy, how much more that I'm now his child will he not provide for everything I need? And so I don't have to be consumed to protect myself, to look out for myself. I don't have to be, no, I can be free to look at you. The Bible says to be concerned more about the affairs of others than with the affairs of myself, my own interests. Well, I can't do that if I've got a worldly philosophy. See, if I believe in evolution, I believe we're just, you know, we're amoebas that grew some arms and eyes popped out, you know, one day. I want to know how the first bird learned to fly. How does that happen, right? I mean, they, they fall and then the mama catches it like the, they didn't know how to fly. They fail, they just... How'd the first one learn to fly? Doesn't make any sense. And if you think that way, if your life is all that way, guess what? Survival of the fittest. You better be looking out for yourself. Man, this world will eat you up. But man, when you know God, man, God made me. He crafted me with a purpose. Man, God made me. He's put something inside of me. You know what? Then I can just be so thankful and my emotions don't have to do this. My emotions don't have to ride the roller coaster ride of life. Because we understand God's greatness, earthly things, good and bad, they stay in the right proportion. I don't make the small things big, and I don't have to make the big things small. Man, I can have the right proportion in my life. Because we acknowledge God's power and majesty, we can acknowledge pain and suffering without being overcome by it. John 16, Jesus says this. He said, he said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Trouble's going to come. But what does he say? He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Having a thankful heart doesn't make me indifferent or mean that I ignore the pain and suffering of the world. It guards my soul from being overtaken by darkness and by despair. And this is one of those times where the Word of God might step on your feet a little bit. But if you're a believer, if you follow Jesus... Darkness and despair should not be winning in your life. That's not a judgment. That's not God saying, you know, stop it. 
That's God's word offering you hope. That if that if that well of water of life is inside of you, guys, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, there is a spring inside your soul of life, of hope, of faith. And so when darkness and despair come to overtake, listen, they should not be overcoming you. They should not be winning. And some people will hear that and they'll say, but I'm battling this and he doesn't know what I've been through. Listen, the word of God can be true for you just as it can be true for anybody else. There is a pressure on the inside of you. There is a a life on the inside of you that is equal to and greater than anything that can come against you if your faith is in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you with this. This is something you can write down, put this in your notes. But if you're struggling with that right now, maybe you've been through a hard time, maybe right now despair and darkness are trying to wrap their tentacles around your heart, around your life. Maybe depression has tried to sink in. I want you to write this down. You can confess this every day. I am filled with the spirit of the one who overcame the world. I am filled with the spirit of the one who overcame the world. Man, every time darkness comes, you can confess that. You can confess John 16, 33, where Jesus says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You can confess the same spirit that was in Jesus Christ is alive in me. You can confess that, amen? And the Christian life is much more, it's much less about doing things as it is realizing things. See, sometimes we come to church to learn a bunch of new stuff. What do I do? It's, it's less about sometimes what you do and what, as what you realize, It's understanding that the hope of glory is already in you. It's accessing the things that God has already done in your life. Amen. All right, let's move on to the boring part, but it's not boring. It's not boring. A thankful heart is calm and steady. A thankful heart is calm and steady. As a believer, we are called to be calm and steady. And steady emotions are a blessing from God, but we all know sometimes they get the better of us. And the problem, though, is not with the emotions. It's how we react. It's the object and the intensity that's the problem. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think for a second. Is love good? How would you answer that? Is love good? Most people would say, yeah. But be careful how you answer that question because loving God is good, but loving sin is bad. Loving God a little is bad. Loving God a lot is good. So the object of our emotion, the object of our love, the intensity of our emotion, the intensity of our love matters. See, it's not just love. We don't just go around loving everything. And that's why in the world today you have this free love thing and everything's okay. You know, love is just good. No, love is not always good. Loving sin is bad. Loving God is good. And it's not enough just to hit the right target. You've got to hit the right intensity too, right? And so being an overly emotional person is not healthy and it's not godly. Now, I'm going to give you an example today. Let's say you have a guy, and we'll use me as the example. I'm a guy. Thank you. The first service, somebody over here, a lady was like, oh, or something. She made a joke, and I'm like, ushers remove her right now. <laughs> I am a guy. I don't understand. Hurt my feelings. I got really emotional about that. But as a man, if I'm cautious, that's good. But if I'm too cautious, I become timid. 
As a man, if I'm joyful, that's good, right? But if I become too joyful, too, I can become silly. As a man, righteous anger, it's okay for a guy to get a little worked up sometimes, right? Men should be angry for something that's righteous and good. That's okay. But if anger turns to rage, if I just burst into fits of anger, that's, that's too far. And when we do that, people will either lose respect for us or they will lose trust in us. If you're overly emotional, if you're too much to one side, too much to the other, people will either lose respect or they will lose trust. And Jesus, Jesus showed a full range of emotions. But the object of his emotion was always right. And the intensity always matched whatever the situation was. And so Jesus is joyful. He has the little kids and he plays with the little kids and he puts them on his lap and he loves the little kids. Suffer the little children to come unto me. He got mad at his disciples because they tried to stop the little kids because he wanted to have fun with the little kids. But then you see Jesus violently throwing people out of the temple. Why? Because you're turning God's house, my father's house, into a den of thieves. And so you see all these emotions. Jesus wept. Jesus showed concern. Jesus was compassionate. Jesus showed joy. But the amount of his emotion was always the appropriate amount. And in our society today, we've, we've lost all understanding of proportion. We make the big things small and the small things big. We go to a ball game and it's, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, we're cheering. Our voice goes sore. I mean, I've so many times you go into work the next day and somebody comes in and they're like, I can't talk. I was at the football game. Man, it was so awesome. But then we come to church and it's like, <laughs> right? Why are we more excited about a football game than we are about Jesus? We get upset because someone flips us the bird or something that we don't know going down the highway, but yet babies are being murdered in our country and we couldn't be bothered. Where is the proportionality of our anger and our outrage to what's happening around us? See, Jesus got mad, but he got mad at the right things in the right amount. You have to hit the right object, and you have to also hit the right intensity. We need to ask two questions. Whenever we're feeling emotional, whenever you're getting frustrated, angry, whatever it may be, we need to ask two questions. What triggered these emotions? And does the intensity, number two, does the intensity match the trigger? So I'm going down the highway, and somebody cuts me off in traffic. I need to ask the question, why am I feeling this right now? I'm feeling, I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling frustrated. Feeling a little rage, right? Well, why am I feeling that? Because this guy cut me off in traffic. This guy, you know, I'm running late. This guy, he, just, he, did, he didn't signal. He just cuts me off, and then where does that go? How do I really feel? What's the intensity of that rage? I mean, sometimes it's like, well, I'm gonna, I fantasize about running the guy off the road, seeing his car flip seven times and burst into flames. Not six times, seven times. Boom, and then it bursts into flames. Now, how many of you know that's overboard, right? That emotion does not, a match, does not match the stimulus, right? What made me emotional, I shouldn't be that angry. But maybe it's not that the guy cut me off in traffic. Maybe it's the fact that I'm running late to work for the sixth time, and I'm behind on all my projects, and my boss has been yelling at me, and I think everybody's going to judge me for being late in the meeting. And because I feel bad about myself, I really want to blame them so I feel better about me. And, ah, and I want to run him off the road. 
Maybe there's something deeper when our emotions get out of hand. And whenever your emotion doesn't match, the intensity doesn't match the circumstance, you need to ask why. What is going on inside of my heart? I've got some homework for you. I want you to write this down. This is your homework assignment for this week. It's a question. Are you emotional about the right things? And here's the action step I want you to do with this. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you how God feels about things and then submit your heart to that. Ask God, God, how do you feel? Holy Spirit, show me how God feels about this situation. Show me how God feels about this relationship. God, show me how you feel about this and then submit your heart to that. Me and my wife, we had an argument about a week ago. I know, it's hard to believe. Occasionally it happens. Had a little spat. And um, I felt like she was being unreasonably angry based on the thing that had happened. So I did something, but I did something very small. It was very small, I want you all to know. It wasn't big. It was small. Everybody say small. See, they're with me. They're on my side completely. It was very small, and she got very upset, and so we're driving somewhere, and I'm like, why did you get so mad about that? And she's like, I didn't. I'm like, you did. You got, what? You got 10 times more angry than what was needed for like the small little thing that I did. And she was like, no, 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 I didn't. And I said, yeah, you did. You got like this, you got like this mad on something this small. Like it was this, this little, and you got this mad. And she said, well, you always, and I went, ah, da-da, that's it. Oh, there's a pattern. See, and I know my wife, whenever she gets unreasonably angry about something small, it's because I have been doing something for a while that is really making her mad. And so as a very dumb guy, I don't know what it is. I'm like, I'm, I'm searching, you know, I'm like a blind man in the dark, you know. So, I don't know. I'm just like, I know I did something, but I don't know what the something is. So I'm like, ah, I always, there's a pattern. There's a pattern. What is the pattern? And she started telling me, well, you always do this, and then it's not fair because then you do this when you want me to do this, and then I get mad, right? Because I'm like, you shouldn't be saying always. That's not fair because nobody always, I don't always do anything. So then I'm getting mad, but this is, how this, this is how this worked out. So we're quiet for a minute. I start to, I start to talk to God. And out of the anchor of thankfulness, immediately I begin to think how thankful I am for my wife. Like, God, I've got a good wife. God, I'm thankful for my wife. And so I asked the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, am I seeing this wrong? And he said, yes. (laughs) Not a trick question. Y'all knew the answer to that before we showed up today, right? Yes. (laughs) You're looking at it wrong. But the Holy Spirit showed me how he saw that and how I was taking for granted something that it was important to her, but it wasn't important to me. And so that led me, instead of my anger going up, my anger came back down and I repented to her and I said, honey, I'm sorry. If it's important to you, it should be important to me. But you see how the Holy Spirit can reframe everything about that situation? If you don't go to the Holy Spirit and ask, why am I feeling this and let him show you, man, your emotions can get out of hand really quick. 
Next thing you know, you're fighting a fight you didn't even need to fight. And whether you win or lose, you lose. Because you've lost control of your emotions. What is the promise made to us in this passage? She says, when we anchor our emotions with thankfulness, the promise is the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And how many married couples in here? Peace is a good thing, ain't it? All the men said, amen. Amen. Need a little peace. Need a little peace in our relationship. So we got to be thankful. You want peace in your marriage? Be thankful for your wife. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you these things and he will help you. Verse 5 tells us that the outward impression this gives is a gentle, considerate person. This is the Greek word here, epiikos. And the, the interesting thing, there's not really a good English word for this word. There's not like a good, solid word-for-word -word translation. A lot of translators put it as gentle. But what it means is gentle, gracious, courteous, forbearing. This is a person who is calm and steady. And one of the greatest ways we can model Jesus to the world around us is to be unmoved by the storms of life. When all you know what is breaking loose, I'm unmoved. I'm unmoved. The world's just, oh, God, the sky is falling, and we're just showing up on Sunday morning. We're going to have church. I'm going to show up. Well, I got in a fight with that person last week, and I don't really want to see them, but I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up. Man, I, I'm offended about this. I'm offended. About, doesn't matter. I'm going to show up. I'm not going to let my emotions go here. I'm not going to let my emotions go here. I'm going to be anchored. I'm going to be anchored. I'm going to be steady. And that projects to the world that we actually believe what we say we believe. You see, if I stand up here and I tell you that I'm preaching a Jesus that died on a cross was eternal, is all-powerful, rose from the dead, can save you from your sins, and lives inside of you. And then the smallest storm comes, and I scream and run. Do I really believe what I say I believe? As Christians, we have to stand our ground and be firm and calm and stable when the storms are raging. The last thing is that a thankful heart produces an intentional thought life. A thankful heart produces an intentional thought life. As a follower of Jesus, you can't just think about anything. Your thought life will eventually determine your emotional health. So if you're filling your mind with dark thoughts, depressing thoughts, if you're on Instagram or CNN or Fox News or whatever it is all day, every day, and you're just inputting in negative things, Worrisome things. The sky is falling. People are angry. You're stupid. I disagree with you. Opinions, right? I mean, that's all it is, is people fighting. The news used to be a guy telling you what happened today. Now the news is a panel of people yelling at each other. I watch the news. I don't know what happened. I just know that guy hates that guy. That's not news. And that's what we put into our soul, into our spirit, all day, every day, and then we expect to come to church for 30 minutes and hear God's word and balance that out. And it doesn't work. Then our emotions are up and down, and we're like, man, why, why, why am I not steady? Why am I feeling this way? And that's why. When a person grows, as a child, I've got two kids, when they, when they grew up, their arms or legs, everything kind of kept, kept pace, right? I mean, if they grow and one leg is a foot longer than the other leg, we got problems. I'm taking them to the hospital. Like something's wrong, right? And in the same way, our head, our head can't outgrow our heart. 
Some of us are trying to solve the heart problem with the head. And so we're trying to learn more about the arguments. If I, if I watch another thing, if I re, and listen, I watch and read a lot. I'm, I'm like that, and I'm analytical, and I like to read and learn. Learning is fun to me. But, man, I've got to keep my focus on the fact that my heart matters more than my head. If I submit my heart to God, he'll help straighten my head out. But if my heart ain't right, my head's got no chance. That's why the world seems like everybody's lost their minds. It's because our hearts are not submitted to God. And when your heart's not submitted to God, you can't think straight. Two plus two becomes a barrel of fish. You're like, what is happening around me? How do people not see this? It's because their hearts are not submitted to God. I was listening listening to a pastor the other day talk about apologetics. He made a great statement. He said that our arguments must flow from our heart and our life. He said, as Christians, what we say, our argument, our defense for the gospel, our preaching, needs to be defended by our life. We should be living in such a way that it says what I'm preaching is true. And I believe it. I want to end with a little object lesson for you today. Imagine for a moment I had a pitcher up here, a pitcher of water. And I took some poison. It was inky. It was like black or dark blue. It was very, very dark. You could see it. And I put some drops of that ink into the pitcher of clean, pure water. Can you see that in your mind? Like how it would kind of spread, you know, into the water? Kind of goes all, it kind of disperses throughout. And if you knew that was poison and I said, hey, you want a drink? You'd probably say, no, thank you. (laughs) I don't want any of that. Well, I'll just, I'll, I'll scoop a little off the top. He'd say, no, 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 I'm good, right? How could you get the ink, the contamination? How do you get that out of the water? If you get a spoon, if you get a, you know, something to dip the water out, can you ever really separate out again the ink, the poison from the pure water? I wouldn't drink it, would you? But if I take a source of water that's clean and pure and I begin to pour it in, until the water that's in that pitcher flows out. Eventually, all the old flows out and is replaced with the new. You see, the only answer for the emotional distress, for the darkness that's in our lives, from the contamination of the world, the doubt, the fear, the unbelief that's bombarding our emotions and our thoughts all day, every day, the only answer is overflow. You can't put in a drop of poison in a drop of water. It doesn't work. For every drop of poison, man, you might need a whole pitcher of water. And so when we take in the poison of the world, when we hear this this fear, this doubt, this unbelief come into our life, man, we have to be grounded in God's word. We have to spend time in God's word. God's word tells us that after we submit our hearts to him through thankfulness, we can begin this process of changing. Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the what? The renewing that's a process not renew by renewing it's a constant process of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good his pleasing and his perfect will. Will you stand on your feet with me today? I want to ask you for just a moment to close your eyes, 
to bow your heads and just focus on the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is here today. He's here to help you with your emotions. Some of you, you're going through emotional distress. Some of you have been fighting discouragement and depression. Some of you have been fighting off fear. And the Holy Spirit is here, and He's here to empower you to overcome that. But the way He does that is He doesn't turn off the despair. He doesn't turn off the depression. It's not how it works. What He does is, is He begins to pour in the thankfulness. He begins to pour in the overflowing thankfulness that will wash all of that out. So many times we just want it to stop. We want the pain to stop. We want the dark emotions to stop. And that's not how it works. You have to replace it with the good. And that's what the Holy Spirit is here to do today. I want to read you something. We're going to pray. It says in the devotional book, Springs in the Valley, tells of a man who found a barn where Satan kept his seeds ready to be sown into the human heart. He found that the seeds of discouragement were more numerous than the others. And he learned that those seeds could be made to grow almost anywhere. But when Satan was questioned, he reluctantly admitted that there was one place in which he could never get them to thrive. Where is that? asked the man. Satan replied sadly, in the heart of a grateful person. The seeds of despair, the seeds of discouragement, they cannot thrive and grow in the soil of a thankful heart. So I want to make an invitation to you today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Those that are joining with us online, we want to invite you into this. There's people there to chat with you, to pray with you. But if you're here today and you've never made that first step of thankfulness by saying, hey, God died for me. Jesus died for me. And I want to show my thankfulness by receiving that gift, by putting my faith in him, by, by turning my heart over to the Lord. I've never done that before. If that's you today, man, will you just lift your hand up right now? We just want to say a simple prayer with you to receive to receive the Holy Spirit, to receive this gift of salvation. God wants to be your best friend. He wants to come. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is parakletos in the Greek. It's he who comes alongside. He's like a friend, a companion. He'll walk with you down the roads of your life. And if that's you today, just, just lift your hand up now. Those of you online, just click that button. We want to pray with you. And church, let's pray this all together with those that raise their hands. Let's pray. Say, Father God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Even when things are dark, even when there are problems, I'm thankful because of you, because of what you did. I'm thankful you sent Jesus and I received that gift. He died for me. He was raised again. I believe that with my whole heart. Change me today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a heart of thankfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? 
Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message. Thank you.